Open your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 1. It's a privilege to be with you tonight. Chance to feed on the Word of God. Fill ourselves up on His Holy Word. Always build yourself up. An old preacher I used to listen to, he's in heaven now. Uh, I always laughed about it because I've always thought of him from the time I first heard him. I was 17 years old and I always thought of him as an old preacher. Found out later that when I was 17, he was the age I am right now. <laughs> Boy, that changes your perspective. My Lester Sumrall uh, used to always say, feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. Amen. And that's a, that'll, that'll carry you through a lot. So we're going to feed our faith tonight on the Word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is, is uh, interesting in our life because sometimes we confuse it with knowledge. You have a lot of knowledge, and as you hear things, you'll gain knowledge. But faith, as it, as it is released isn't a whole lot different than gas in your car. You, you need to feed on faith. You know what steak tastes like. But knowing what steak tastes like isn't the same as tasting steak. Amen? And you know a lot about the Word of God. You know a lot of truth. You know it like you know the mathematics table. But knowing isn't the same as believing or having faith. And I, I know one of the first things that really helped me, uh, I heard it from Kenneth Copeland, I believe, was you got to watch your word level. Your word level. You know, I, I, in fact, I bumped into a, a, a fellow about that time in one of the first churches we pastored. And uh, he had come from a drug culture background and had done a lot of damage to literally his physical brain. As long as he was in the Word of God every day, feeding his faith and his spirit would dominate, he was, he was perfectly under control. He walked in the fruit of the Spirit. His mind was, was, was orderly and, and, and logical. He could communicate. But if he didn't get and stay in the Word, I'm telling you, his, his spirit would lose its hold on his mind and his soul, and he would be one of the rudest cusses you ever wanted to meet. And I could just tell, you need to go get in the Word of God. Because when you're full of the Word, there's life. Amen? And we're, we're going to see tonight uh, some of the things about being in Christ. Look here in Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be, Ephesians 1, 3, I'll give you a chance to find that. Some of you have it memorized. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us. Blessed be the God who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Thank you, Father. I never saw that there. I've been searching for it for years. Wow. Now he just ruined my sermon. Wow. Now I got two good sermons to preach. Troy knows how hard it is. You want to say so much. There's just not enough time. That's what the millennium's for. 
Amen. Amen. We're going to have a good time during the millennium. Glory to God. (laughs) I don't know which way to go now. Why did he show me that? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us. Blessed be God who has blessed us. What's it mean, blessed be God? It means thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You, you always have something to thank the Lord about. Somebody said, well, I've had a rough week. I don't have anything to thank the Lord about. Well, you're not going to hell. You could start there. Amen. And if you are on your way to hell, you don't need to. You could start there. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I am saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise should continually be in our mouth. See, blessed be the God who has blessed us. You know, the reason we don't worship the Lord or when we don't worship the Lord, we realize the reason is you've forgotten how blessed you are. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can look at Kevin and think, look at his, he got his arm around a beautiful wife. He's got children. He's got this beautiful house. He's got business and finance. They're responsible and teach. She's teaching all these children, changing lives. I'm having a hard time understanding how they can even sit down and, and, and contain themselves. Why aren't they jumping up and down and shouting hallelujah? Cause I remember where he came from. <laughs> Let me put it this way. You could still be working at Keystone Honey. <laughs> Maybe, maybe sometime tonight we'll get a praise out of them. <laughs> Blessed be God who has blessed us. All right, I'm, I am going to share. Years ago, uh, a long time ago, I was 20 years old, and a woman came forward in a prayer line, and uh, just a little tiny thing. She was sitting in the back row, and she came up, and I won't tell the whole story, take too long, but she said, she said, uh, the doctors say, I need a new heart. I'm on a list for a heart transplant. I can die at any moment. That's why I come in late. I, I can't, I can't come during worship because it's too exciting. I'm not supposed to get excited. She'd always come in after the worship. She'd literally sit in the car and wait till the music quit. Come in and sit in the back row and then sat there for five or six weeks. Finally, one time she came with her husband. She came forward. I need a new heart. So we prayed for her. And God gave her a new heart. Wanda Cornell, she's still alive today. Well, that's a long time ago. I'm 57. That's 37 years ago. God gave her a new heart. Hallelujah. Her whole family got saved, came to the church. Well, I, about 10 years later, I think it was exactly 10 years later, I was driving through Titusville and the Spirit of God came on me so strong I had to pull off the side of the road right next to an Episcopal church. And uh, I'm sitting there and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, why don't you, why don't you praise me for Wanda's heart anymore? 
And it, he was so grieved. Well, it was ten years ago. I hadn't danced before the Lord for Wanda's heart. And I felt so confused because it seemed odd to me. But see, what God does for you, there still should be praise. And immediately he showed me that David praised God for bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt hundreds of years before. Now, have you ever danced before the Lord because he did something so, so wild you couldn't help yourself? Did you ever do that for, for the Red Sea? Some of you have. At that point, I hadn't. See why? Because I felt disconnected from it. But there I was, you know, I mean, come on, 10 years ago, he gave somebody a heart. Wasn't my heart. I'm supposed to praise God. So right there in the car, I started thanking God for Wanda's new heart. And I got into it. You know, praise is an act. Don't you teach your kids to say thank you? Well, some of you need to be taught to praise the Lord, just like you taught your kids to say, yes, sir, no, sir. My Terry's uh, friends, I stole them. She met a, uh, some friends in Bible school and became my friends. And, but they were there from Carolina and they raised their kids in the South different than us vulgar Northerners. And uh, they talked about putting their kids in the corner when they're disobedient. And the little boy had to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, sir. A hundred times, I think it was. Boy, those kids say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. They're polite. They taught them to be polite. You know, you can be taught to praise. Sure is quietness, Episcopalian church. The story was I pulled up to the side of Episcopalian church. It wasn't that I went there. <laughs> so I'm in the car praising the Lord. You understand what I'm talking about? I didn't feel excited. It was 10 years ago. No, but, but you, you know, somebody hands you something, you ought to say thank you, right? I'm worshiping Jesus. Thank you for her heart. You gave her a new heart. Thank you, Jesus. You gave her a new heart. And I went on my way. And the very next Sunday, a woman from Erie popped up in the prayer line. Never seen her before. She stood there and said, the doctor said I could die at any time and I need a new heart. I, I couldn't hardly believe it. Prayed for her and God gave her a new heart. And since I was 30, I'm 57. That's 20, that's, that's 17 years ago. No, how long ago is that? 30? That's, that's a long time. I don't need, I don't want, it's not that I can't add. I don't want to add. That's 37 years ago. No, it's 27 years ago. Excuse me, I'm 30. Wanda was 30. This was 20. 27 years ago, I said, Lord, I see that is a spiritual law that when I praise you, you do it again. But where is it in the scripture? And I've searched for 27 years. And tonight he showed me, bless God who blesses us. Amen. Boy, that's simple. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Has he ever healed you before? Did you need it again? <laughs> Do you need it again? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Blessed be God. 
who blessed us. Thank you, Lord. Well, that was what he showed me just a second ago. But he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All of them. All the blessings of God are in Christ. Now, if I had time, I would like to teach you about what it means to be in Christ. And maybe at some other time we'll get into that. I'd encourage you, though, to get a hold of a little book by Kenneth Hagin. Fits in your pocket. It'll go in your shirt pocket. And it's called In Him. In there, he's collected, I believe there's over 130 verses in the New Testament that talk about being in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ, in Him, in whom... All through the New Testament, Paul and the other writers use this concept of the fact that we were, well, that we are in Christ. And it's in Christ that we're blessed. Now, if it's in Christ that we're blessed, then at one point we weren't in Christ. How'd we get in Him? Well, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Not what does it mean to be in Him? But how did we get in Him? And what does it mean when you're not in Christ? You see, man has gone through quite a bit of change from the time of creation. If we go back to Genesis, we find that God created man. No, you didn't evolve. God created man. And there's actually been three created beings, angels, demons, and men. But when God created man, man then went through uh, uh, some change. And there's a difference between a man in Christ and Adam in the garden. There's basically, we can say it this way, there's three types of man in the Bible. There was the original man, or man as he was created. The original man, Adam. But how many of you remember Adam fell through the the work of the enemy and and through uh, issues surrounding his disobedience and sin entered. Adam basically bowed his knee to the devil and sinned, and then we have fallen man. Why? Because Adam and Eve had a fellowship with God, and they had a glory. They didn't need clothes. Did you know that they were naked because they didn't need clothes? They were clothed upon, Paul says, with glory. But when Adam sinned, That glory went out. That light went out and they found themselves to be naked. And their relationship with God changed. The Bible said that God commanded them not to eat of the tree of good and evil, of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day, in the day that you eat thereof, the Hebrew says it this way, dying you will die. But yet when they ate of that, tree they didn't physically die that day did they they went on and lived something like 900 years 
But they did die that day towards God, or they died what we say, they died spiritually, and the light went out. Now when we say death, I want to really emphasize this, death doesn't mean you cease to exist. Someone says, well, he died spiritually, then his spirit ceased to exist. No, his spirit lost contact with the Father. See, when you die, if I pulled out my Glock and shot Alan in the head, he doesn't cease to exist, but his existence would change. Why? He'd lose contact with his physical body. He, he, would, he would ascend, the Bible says, to die is to be present with the Lord. He'd go right through that ceiling. Why? Because his spirit would be separated from his body. That's what death is, is separation. Sorry to use you that way, but I, <clears throat> I figured he was safe. So when Adam, he died spiritually, his spirits very much existed, but it was no longer in tune or in contact with the father of lights. In fact, it was in tune or in contact with demonic power. And, and in that state, we have fallen man. And what happened? Sin continued to multiply. Murder came onto the earth. Sickness and death entered in. And all of the consequences of one sin fell upon all of humanity. A lot of times people would say, how come God was so tough on Adam over, you know, they just ate, you know, an apple. Well, it wasn't and this, and this needs to be seen in your life as well. It's not just the consequence of your act. It's the consequence of what your act will produce to your, to the next generation. See, there's so many things that have happened in your life that you had nothing to do with. Now, I'm an Armstrong, which means, uh, uh, five generations ago, my great, 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 and, and Lena and Addie need to hear this. My great, 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 great. So then you'd have to add great, great. So seven for you. Uh, Armstrong, his name was Joseph. He decided to get on a boat and leave Scotland and come to America. Now, he didn't ask me. I didn't get to choose. Nobody wondered what my opinion was. But here I am. I am a result of the consequence of his action. Well, now that's, that's, everybody understands that. Everyone has, has, whether you like it or not, you're, you've experienced that. You know? It's like the rebellious teenager said to his father, well, I didn't ask to be born. And his father said, yeah, and if you had, the answer would have been no. <laughs> but the point is, my existence was based on someone else's decision. See, when people say, well, I don't understand how God could be so hard on Adam with his sin. Well, his, his sin was the, the fountainhead of every deformed child. Every murder, every crime, if it hadn't been for Adam's sin, there never would have been a Hitler. 
But see, the beauty is, is that just as those consequences towards evil and towards sin, there's consequences of righteousness. Let me give you a story. I shared it with a friend of mine the other day, and I, every time I tell this story, I, I don't like it, but I cry. <laughs> and some of it's because you get old and your muscles in your face don't work as well, but some of it's just because it makes me cry. When I was about five or six, I got a Christmas present. My uncle had moved to, he went, he was stationed in Germany in the military. And while he was over there, he met a woman who already had a little boy. And they got married, and he brought her home with a little boy. So at Christmas, I got a cousin. He was a year younger than me who spoke no English, which was cool because I could tell him to do anything, and he had to follow me, you know. So I, all I had to say was, come, Johnny. That's about all he knew until he learned to speak English. And Johnny and I grew up together a year apart, we were really closer than my brother. And in fact, Johnny later led me to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, well, Johnny, as he grew up, uh, he, he, he joined the military just like my uncle Larry, his uh, adopted father. And he guessed where the army uh, assigned him. He, they shipped him off to Germany. Well, he hadn't been back since he was four or five years old, but he knew he had a grandfather there he had never seen. And so uh, he, he called his mom and got the address and, and uh, made the arrangements and contacted grandfather. And uh, sure enough, you know, he's going to go meet his grandfather. And he's thinking, well, what do I... What do I wear when you meet my grandfather? So he decided to wear his, his army dress greens. You know, with the shined his shoes and shined his belt buckle, and he looks, you know, smart. And he goes and knocks on his grandfather's door, and his grandfather opens the door, sees this American soldier standing on his doorstep. can't make this stuff up. He sees his grandson, an American soldier, and he falls down, loses control. Johnny has to pick him up, get him into the living room, help him into a chair, and the story comes out. His grandfather was in World War II in the midst of a whole bunch of street fighting. And he and his German soldiers were in, in shooting through windows, shooting Americans out through the window. And some GI came in from behind, knocked the door down, came into the room and with his Tommy gun, sprayed the room, killing everybody, and stopped at Johnny's grandfather. And they locked eyes. They locked eyes, and in one act of mercy, he paused, aimed down, shot him in the leg, and ran on. Spared his life. Well, 
I know God's big enough that if Johnny had led me to Jesus, he'd find somebody else. But one act of mercy never stops. One act of mercy. See, if one man's sin never stops, one act of mercy never stops. See, a seed is always a seed producing a seed that always produces a seed. Amen? Look with me to Romans 5. How did we get in Christ? See, there's three kinds of men. i got to finish my introduction. There's original man. Man the way God created him. Walking in the glory of God. Fallen man. Man separated from God, subject to the devil's authority, subject to disease and death and sin. Born in sin, the Bible says. Adam wasn't born in sin, but I was. Right? But then there's the redeemed man. The born again man. The man... uh, 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 bought with a price. The man translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Brought out from under the Satan's power into the power of God. Restored man. Saved. Amen. Somebody said, well, you know, I was reading in the Bible. I'm just like old Job. No, you're not. Job wasn't born again. You, you, there's things you can learn from Job, but there's things you'll misunderstand if you think Job was like you. Job could not pray in the name of Jesus. Job did not have the new covenant. Job could not receive the blessings and the benefits of the blood of Jesus. You, you, you there's, That's why all those kings and prophets desired to see into the day in which we live. Glory to God. Even angels looked in to see what God would do with redeemed man. Look here in Romans chapter 5. That story, I need to... You can get blessed with your own preaching. That's pretty good. Who needs television? (laughs) Look here in Romans 5, verse 8. God commends His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus loved you when you were really rotten. Now, you're born again and you've made some mistakes. That's, That's one thing. But don't forget, He loved you when you were an enemy. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies... See, that's fallen man. Fallen man was an enemy of everything that God wanted to do. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more... Say much more. See, much more... 
we don't have time, but I would circle that much more is involved in that praise I was talking about. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You see, the death of Jesus gave you something, but his resurrection life gives you something also. Amen. In fact, Paul said later in 1 Corinthians 15, he said if Christ hadn't been raised from the dead, his death would have been of no value at all. It's his present life operating in us now. Verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God. What is that? That's praise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we've now received, say now, We've received the atonement or the reconciliation. We've been made one with Him. In fact, the old timers used to say, at one meant. Being reconciled. Made one. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Now, who was that one man? No, that's Adam. Sin entered into the world by that one man. And death by sin. See, where'd death come from? It's all right. We won't grade you on this. It's an open book test. As by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Why are people sick? Because of sin. People often will ask me, well, do I think all sickness comes from sin? Yes. Maybe not your sin. But definitely Adam's sin. Don't, don't, don't get into the point where you're, you're seeking the cause so much you forget the cure. In fact, I found out if you'll seek the cure as hard as some people seek the cause, you don't need to know the cause. Amen. Just knowing the cause isn't going to help you. It's the cure that's going to help you. And Jesus died on the cross no matter what the cause. Well, I think it's, you know, I think it's uh, my my granddaddy had it. My my great granddaddy had it. And I think it's, you know, a, a curse on my family. And so. So what? Does that make it harder? Does that make you more special? Don't get sidetracked. Stay in the simplicity that's in Jesus. Keep it real simple. The devil's bad. God's good. I was in sin. Now I'm not. He forgave me. His blood was shed for me. That's why it's so fun on the mission field. Is is because simple's all you need. Amen. I I know. Uh, the love of God can overcome all those causes. You don't have to figure it out and then show some accounting to God where all the sums measure up. doesn't matter. Amen? He's going to throw that thing away anyway. He's just going to mark it paid. doesn't matter if it's a $10,000 bill or a million-dollar bill. It's paid. Yeah, but I, I don't know if I deserve it. No, you don't. About time you figured that out. You don't deserve it. But He loves you. 
pay. Amen? Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, now hold on to this. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. See, you're not guilty if you don't know it. Now, now squinting at the speed limit sign won't work. There is a point where ignorance of the law is no excuse. You ought to know. But there's, there's certain things you don't, you just don't know, you don't know. Right? That's called innocence. That's why the Jewish faith had a bar mitzvah at, at, at 13 or 12, depending on how you look at how you age people. Uh, cause the Hebrews would, would count the time you're alive in the womb. And, and so at 13, you'd have a bar mitzvah, you're a man, you're also accountable. See, before that, there's innocence. People say, well, if a child died, does, does he go to hell? No. Because he, he doesn't understand, and there's a, there's a time of innocence. The Bible talks about this here in Romans. But the point is, is that when the law comes, it actually kills. Because we were born with that light out, our spirits not cooperating and communicating to the Father. And sin comes. I mean, you could see it. Any, anyone who's worked in children's church with toddlers in one room, when the preacher preaches for three hours, will see sin in children. It's there. They're born with it. They don't have to learn it. I mean, we got these two little grand boys, and they got it really good. Put one toy in the middle, and you will see sin. It just exists. You're born with it. Amen? So so that law comes and it brings the personal sin. You didn't sin like Adam sinned, but you sinned because Adam left you in a place of depravity, is the biblical term. Your spirit wasn't hooked up to God. And, and so sin comes and you give in because it's your nature to sin. A lot of times people think, well, if my, my kids would just act right, I'd be happy, you know. I remember ministering to a couple in one of the first churches I pastored, that, and they had a son, and he was a hellion. He wasn't born again, and, and he was running around with a woman, and she wasn't born again, and they're sleeping together, and, and mama's just a-crying. If they just get married, everything would be all right. Well, they're still going to hell married. <laughs> Getting married ain't going to help it. Morality or appearances are a far cry from spiritual realities, you know? And uh, th- so there's this death reigns, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigns from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. See, a lot of people argue about this. They say, well, how come I'm guilty for what Adam did? Because I didn't sin like Adam sinned. Well, how come I was born an American? Wasn't my choice. It wasn't your choice to be born in Adam either, but you were. Right? No, you didn't sin after Adam's similitude. In other words, you don't carry the weight of Adam's sin and guilt, but you definitely we carry the consequence. 
But not as the offense. So now here's where it gets good. See, if, if evil can produce consequence, so can good. See, not as the offense, or you could say it this way, exactly opposite to the offense, so is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, that's Adam, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus, has abounded unto many. See, if, if, if one act of mercy from some American GI could keep my cousin in the earth and the children that he's brought into the earth and the blessings that they are in the earth, see, how much more what Jesus did. And it abounds unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so's the gift. In other words, exact opposite to the one that sinned, that's how the gift works. For the judgment was, was by one, Adam, to condemnation. But the free gift, which was by Jesus, is of many offenses unto justification. He reversed the curse. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by that one man, much more, say much more. See, well, all, all you have to recognize is what Jesus did is greater than what Adam did. Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus died on it. His act was greater. If by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 22. For as in Adam, see, to understand being in Christ, you need to know, and how you got there, you need to know before you were in Christ, you were in Adam. You were born in Adam. Oh, I know, I was born in Armstrong. You were born in Rop. You didn't choose to be born. Were you born in Colorado, I guess? Why were you born in Colorado instead of Ghana? You didn't get to choose. You had to take that inheritance from your father. Right? And you are as a result of your, your father. Well, the same with every one of us in here. And the same with every one of us in here as it relates to our ultimate father, which is Adam. Right? You know, I, I mean, this is Lancaster. Everybody plays. I, 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 one of the first things I learned was the Mennonite game. Who you related to. <laughs> and you sit, you sit, you can't have a breakfast without talking about who's related to somebody. And figuring out who they're related to is like an internal quest because you can't go on and finish your meal until you know. Not quite sure I understand the Mennonite game, but I've experienced it. <laughs> 
Well, that relationship, that name, I don't have anything to do with my name. Do you? I just was born with it. I remember one time in the Philippines, I was going through passport control, and the guy's looking at my name, Armstrong. And the guy looked at me and said, are you related? I said, yes, the jazz musician, and then walked on. (laughs) They know the jazz musician is a black man. You, you're not deserving. You didn't work for it. You received it. You didn't ask to be born in sin. You were born in sin. You didn't ask to be born in righteousness in Christ. How, how did you become righteous? Was it your pursuit of holiness, your discipline of the flesh, your pursuit of spiritual uh, uh, perfection? No, I was born righteous. I don't know how you got it. I was born righteous. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. You, you got your good looks being born in your family. You got everything that's in Jesus because you were born in that family. You're a child of the King. See, as in Adam, all die. Look here. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. This, the, the, the negative consequence of being in Adam was inevitable, unalterable, and beyond your choice. So is the goodness of God. It's beyond your choice. Turn to your wife and say, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I am, I'm, I'm rich. I was born rich. Some of you still ain't got it because you have a works mentality and you think you're prosperous because you tithe. You tithe because you're in the covenant. You don't, you don't do good works to get saved. You get saved and then do good works. You don't tithe to prosper. You tithe because you are prosperous. I mean, if you weren't prosperous, you wouldn't have anything to tithe. (laughs) And one of these days, you're going to get it. When Pastor Sidney stands up and says, God told me we need to put a million dollars in African missions. Some of you are going to realize that's got to come through the tithe. If a million is 10%, that means $10 million has to come through. Hello. Well, you're born into it. Because everything he's going to do in the earth, he's decided to do through his family. Period. He isn't, he isn't going to, 
God really isn't into this new UFO craze. Oh, I won't get into that. Let's look in 1 Corinthians 16 or 15 again. Look at verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, he was the first man. He was made a living soul. But the last man, the last Adam, almost said the last Armstrong. The last Adam was made a life-giving spirit. Now, this is, this is important. Uh, when God made Adam, he took ground, soil, clay, actually red clay, according to Hebrew. He took this red clay and he made a form. And then the Bible says he breathed into that carcass, the breath of life, which was in the Hebrew is ruach, which means breath or wind. And he breathes into this carcass, lifeless, unanimated red clay. But when the breath of God came in, into contact with the flesh, the, the, the body, the carcass. The Bible says, combining that, it made a living soul. See, the first man, Adam, was made or created a living soul out of a carcass. But the last Adam, which is Jesus, he was made a life-giving spirit. Why? Because our spirit had been denied life, had been cut off from the Father, separated from God. That's why when you're born again, it affects your spirit, but it doesn't affect the red carcass, the red clay, and it doesn't affect the soul. See, before you got born again, if you came to the altar, if you, if you tonight come and receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, and you're 40 pounds overweight, after you get born again, I'm sorry you're still going to be 40 pounds overweight. Doesn't change your physical body. Because Jesus was made a life-giving spirit. But your spirit changes. See, if you, if you had bad memories and trauma from your past and you got born again, you come to the altar tonight and you get born again, I'm sorry, you're going to go home. You're still going to have memories in your mental, mental state because that's your soul. That's why James says you've got to believe to the saving of your soul or Paul says you need to renew your mind. Because when you're born again, you're made a new creation in Christ Jesus. The only thing that's made new is your spirit. That connection between you and the Father's reconnected. But now you've, you've got to gain the ascendancy over your soul, which means you've got to take your emotions and put them in control of your spirit, or your spirit will take those emotions under control. And then once you've renewed your mind, you can control your flesh. That's why people have a hard problem time, you know, and they'll say, well, I, I'm born again, but I still, I've still sinned. My flesh desires these things, you know, alcohol and tobacco and drugs and sex and Briar's ice cream. Well, 
that's just because your flesh didn't change when you were born again. The Bible says you have to mortify the deeds of your body, which means put them to death. You have to say no to what your body wants. Why? Because you were born in Adam. Somebody said, well, well, is that ever going to change? Yeah, when you get a glorified body. But you don't have one yet. But you do have a foretaste or a pledge or a down payment. He's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the earnest of the Spirit, which is your, it, you know, when you, you gotta buy a house, you gotta have some money to put down on the table so they know you're serious. And the, and the, and there's a binding contract. Well, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the earnest of your inheritance, meaning that with that earnest money or with that earnest of contract, you can walk in the benefits of all of it, even though you haven't received it yet. So you can walk in the benefits of a glorified body if you walk in the spirit. And your body will say Briar's ice cream and your spirit will say not today, buddy. Amen. But there will be a war between your, your spirit, your soul, and your body. But that doesn't uh, uh, negate what Jesus did. And when you realize that you're in Him and you're tied up with the fount, that's why Jesus gave the example of abiding in the vine, that, that flow is now turned on. Years and years ago, I started to sell computers and there was a, a hardware store just up the street from me that bought a couple computers to put their inventory in. I mean, this was the days. I, I lived in the days when they used to do inventory with no computers. I remember I wrote a program for inventory and a guy bought it from me and he turned it on. He said, but where's all, where's all the product? I said, you have to enter that in. Why? <laughs> he was ahead of his time. Anyhow, that was before barcodes. So anyhow, this guy bought a couple computers for me for his hardware store, and one morning he calls in a panic. He's absolutely, it's not working, I don't know what you sold me, but nothing, it's just dead, I'm turning this thing on, nobody here knows what's wrong. I'll be right over. Ran right over as fast as I could and plugged it in. Somebody had unplugged it in the night, some cleaning woman or something. And, and, and you know what? It won't work when it's not plugged in. I built him too. <laughs> but Jesus came and I'm plugged in. The life is flowing from the vine. Now, I've said all of that to bring you over to the Gospel of Luke and touch teach you and show you how you're in Christ. When I saw this years ago, I quit struggling and realized I was born handsome because my ancestors handsome. I mean, look at Lena. She's just so beautiful. She got all those good looks from me. It's so obvious because I don't have them anymore. I've passed them on. Look here in uh, Luke chapter 3. How are we in Christ? It says here in verse 23, And Jesus, 
Is this, is this watch right? It says it's 6.30. Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathet. Isn't this good? Don't you just love reading these in the Bible? You do your daily Bible reading. There's just nothing quite so fun as going through all the begats. Is there anyone in here besides me that skips them? God forgive us. I mean, it's three columns of mom and dad. So we're going to skip them. Because I think you'd fall asleep. Slip, slip on down. Let's at least give a few of these guys. Let's look at verse 37. Which was the son of Methuselah? Which was the son of Enoch? Which was the son of Jared? Now this is all Jesus going back, right? Playing the Mennonite game. <laughs> which was the son of Malaleel? Which was the son of Canaan? Which was the son of Enos? Which was the son of Seth? Which was the son of Adam? How'd you get in Adam? You were born in Adam. That's how I got into Armstrong. It's how you got into your family. It's how you got into Adam. You were born in Adam. But see, in Adam, he cut off his family relations with his, his creator. And here in Luke, it's the only place he adds it. He was son of Adam, who was the son of God. See, now... I'm still in Adam, but I'm in God. See, if being in Adam, I'm born in sin, guess what? Now that breach has been healed. I've been plugged in. Guess what? I'm in God. I'm in God before I'm in Adam. Just as in Adam, unfortunately, all that sin came. Guess what? In God, all that blessing. All the blessing. All the blessing. All spiritual blessings have been given to us in Christ Jesus. See, that's why the Bible's so emphatic that Jesus is the Creator. The Creator was the responsible one for what He created, and it went wrong. So he came and fixed it. And we look to the cross, but what really what we receive from is from the creator. All from the, when, when, when does the Ephesians say we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works? Why? From before the beginning of time. All of the blessings you have come straight from the father and there's nothing you can do about it. You're blessed because you're born in the family. My son Zach one time started mocking me when he noticed hair in the bottom of the bathtub. Said, Dad, bend over, let me look at it. And I said, Behold thy future. (laughs) You can't escape it. You were born with it. Turn to your 
wife would say, sorry, honey, I was born rich. I was born in a wealthy family. I was born the child of a king. I was born healed. I was born blessed. Go back to Ephesians 1 and we'll close for a minute. See, this is where the blood covers. See, if you, if you start with God, the blesser, then Adam, and then all the way down to you. See, Adam sinned, and that plug was no longer plugged into God. He pulled that plug. His spirit was dead to God. So the only thing that came down to you was all the sin and all the evil and all the bad and all the sick and all the mess. But he plugged it back in. And now you don't stop it, Adam. You go one more step. You went from created man who fell to fallen man to redeemed man. That's why when I pray for people, a lot of times I, I like to pray, God, restore this kidney to the way you created it. Doesn't matter what you're looking at. You might be riding a bike and something break. You know it wasn't made that way. You, what, you're going to fix it. You're going to put it back to the way it was created, the way the guy designed it. God designed your kidney to work. God designed all those organs in there to do something, including your appendix. Yeah. I don't care if science has figured it out or not. Some of them think they have. Right? He created your body to function in a, in a way of perfection. And in Adam, it got messed up. But I'm not in Adam anymore. But And I, and I have the earnest of the Spirit to, to do in me all I need. Why? Because I'm blessed in Christ. Amen. Go with me to Romans 8. I can't stop here. Glory to God. One more verse. Just, I know it's irritating. I remember my dad was a photographer and he'd go to a wedding with him and it's like, just one more picture. Just, just one more. Just one, wait, wait, wait. Just one more. It's like, Dear Lord, Dad, one more. Just 15 more. Be honest with them. Look at verse 11. If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. You ever really thought about this? I mean, seriously. Imagine it. Jesus was dead. He wasn't Princess Bride mostly dead. He was dead dead. Three days dead. He was wrapped in a, almost a cocoon. If he hadn't been dead, it would have killed him. constricts around the body. He wouldn't have been able to breathe. Hardened like a plaster. 
He was dead. And the Spirit of God came into this dead carcass. Think about that. Had to burn that shellac off. Bust it out. A dead carcass. Come on! That spirit brought that physical body back to life and is living in you. Blood sugar ain't got a chance. Arthritis ain't nothing. Hello? Bust blown out knee? No worries. Cartilage? The Spirit of God took a dead carcass and put life in it. Amen? And this carcass ain't dead yet. The life of God is in you. It's in your physical body. If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, that word quicken, is better translated, gives life to your mortal body. Now, mortal means death doomed. And it's, it's just, listen, your body is going to die, but until it dies, the Spirit of God will give life to it. Amen. We'll quicken it. We'll restore it. We'll give you resurrection life. How? By His Spirit that dwells in you. He's a life-giving Spirit. You're in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Hallelujah. Somebody, you know, pops a couple aspirin in their body and as they just wait for that to get to moving through their bloodstream. Pop a couple Bible verses in there at the same time. Pop out a little bit of praying in tongues and do a jig in the kitchen floor and lift your hands above your head and say, thank you Lord, the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. Let's, let's pretend we're in children's church. Stand up with me for a minute. We need to do a little object lesson. You could start with the fact that you're born again. You could start with the fact that you're filled with His Spirit. You can start, you can move on to the fact that you have a family and you have people that love you. You can move on to the fact that you're in a church that's teaching the Word of God. You can start now. You don't have to wait till I finish. You can start with the fact that He said He'd meet all your needs. He'd supply every one of them. You can start with the fact He said by His stripes you're healed. You can, you can praise because all of those... Fruitful, fruitful words that were spoken over your life are coming to pass. Every prophetic word, every promise. Thank God you called me. Thank God you did it for me. You can lift your hands and say, I'm not afraid anymore. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed me. I'm blessed. I'm blessed because I was born in the kingdom. I'm born in Him. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He said he'd meet all of our needs. It's not hanging on the inflation rate. It's not hanging on the debt rate. It's hanging on Galatians. It's hanging on Philippians. It's hanging on Ephesians. That's all. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. If you have any symptoms in your body tonight, come on up. We're going to lay hands on the sick. The Bible says call for the elders of the church. You move that gentleman. Anybody have any symptoms they'd like prayer for? Yeah. You want to share some? Back, I believe it was 2009 that, that God called my family to this church. And uh, it, was, it was August of 2009, and that very coming Saturday was the first LTS that Karen Salee was leading at the time. And uh, Kelly and I signed up. I, I, it was the first time I was at church, and the Lord said, I want you here. So I came to LTS, and I went through... Uh, two semesters of that and they were starting Armada Bible Commission and I was praying about I felt like the Lord had called me to go to that and I was praying about it and uh, I remember when I heard from the Lord my confirmation to go to Armada Commission Apostle Dale was preaching this message at LTS and I came up to him afterwards and I said that was incredible uh, now, granted, he had an hour here tonight. At, at, at LTS, he's got two hours. And it's the same message, but it's better. And I said, that was incredible. I've never heard it presented that way. And you know what he said to me? He said, in Armada Commission, we spend a week on this subject. And, and that, was, that was my confirmation that I needed, that I was supposed to go to that. So... <laughs> It's just as good now as it was back then. Amen. It's the knowledge of a steak won't fill your belly. It's life. Amen. Listen. Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you and great darkness upon the, the nations. Arise and shine. Isaiah says for the glory of the Lord feel the anointing just filled the room for the glory of the Lord great darkness has come upon the nations when it gets dark don't be afraid when the news gets worse don't be afraid arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. It might be time to dance before the Lord that when the plague came on Egypt, nothing came on the children of Israel. Nothing came on the children of Israel. Ain't no plague coming nigh my house. Not nigh my dwelling. With long life he satisfies me and shows me my salvation. (laughs) Hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank God you're the healed. I'm the healed. I am healed. I'm the healed. You brought me through. Lord, we thank you for compassion for those that would suffer. Lord, we have a heart of compassion. Bring us to them that we could pray, that we could believe and stand with them and add our faith to theirs. But Lord, while we're here tonight, this moment, we're the church. We're victorious. In you, we're without fear. We're without fear. We're without doubt and unbelief. Not in our minds, but in the Spirit. Because of this Word, because of the Spirit of God moving upon us. Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Oh, I bless you. You got a song for us, John? I want to lay hands on Can I lay hands on you? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your healing power on Jen in the name of Jesus. And we curse this to leave the house right now in Jesus' name. We command it to go, every symptom. Every symptom. Her body is healed to the perfection of which God has created it. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Do you got a song? I mean, if you got one in your heart. Oh, yeah, whatever you got in your heart. Or in your head. I will give you all my mercy. And I will give you all my praise. disrupted our normal uh, course of worship but that's okay uh, I'll take all the dis- discipline anyone uh, still good. <laughs> we can still worship but um, I don't I just, I just know I don't want to miss this 
God stopped me and said, why don't you praise me for her heart? And in a few days, here was another. And I know he's blessed you. And I'm not trying to make you praise. Even though it is a commandment. A grateful heart. Just take one thing he's done for you. Just take one thing. And just begin to thank him. I thank you, Lord. You saved my son, Ethan, from death. I thank you, Lord. You brought him out of drugs and crime. I thank you, Jesus. You redeemed my son. I give you praise. I give you praise. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I bless you. You're my father. You're my creator. You're my God. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. I bless you, Lord, because you blessed me. You, you, I love you because you first loved me. I bless you, Lord, because you blessed me. I love you, Lord, because you first loved me. Do it again. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord Jesus. It's okay. Has he done great things? Did he part the Red Sea? When's the last time you worshiped him for parting the Red Sea? Amen. This is going to fit right in, I'm telling you. Great things. He's done great things.
so good, God. So good, Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor that the fruit of our lips would give a sacrifice of praise to your name. In the morning, you'll hear my voice. While I live, while I yet have any being, I will sing your praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bless you, Lord. bless the Lord who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, as you go tonight, tell somebody, I can't help it, I was born rich. That's the way it is. Can't help it, I'm born healed. Hallelujah. I was born handsome. Glory to God. God bless you as you go. One way we love God's by loving one another. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to Church of the Word International here at Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're so glad that you're here. You are the beloved. Did you know that? You're God's beloved. I want to encourage you in the Word of God tonight. You know, the Word is so encouraging. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you just open up the book of life, it will bring life to every situation. It's just the truth. So one of my old favorites is Psalms 100, and maybe you all know it by heart. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pastor. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into its courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. He's so good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endure to all generations that's the truth and as we allow that truth to come in and saturate our spirit soul and body it becomes life it becomes you amen well let's stand up as family tonight because that's what we are and the lord does call you beloved you are beloved of the lord because you belong to him and let's worship and praise the lord tonight as family. Amen. You are, you are all. 
right here. soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives me of all my iniquities heals me of all my disease redeems my life from destruction crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy and fills my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles Oh, the Lord is good. His faithfulness is enduring and everlasting. Say that. The Lord is good. He's done so much for us. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor and tell them something that the Lord did for you this week. Amen? Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be with you all again tonight. Anyone excited to be at church tonight? Yes. Well, that's the response I wanted to hear. All right. Well, we'd like to welcome anyone that's here for the very first time. Do we have anyone for the first time right here? Well, welcome to Church of the Word International. We're so glad you're with us. We have a little card here. If you care to, you could uh, fill that out and put it in the offering basket. And just tell us a little bit about yourself. And we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord tonight. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand. The ushers will see that you get one. And if you're giving by credit card, we do appreciate when you fill out all of the blanks. So thank you for that. And I've asked Josh Schumann to come and give us some exhorting on tithe or giving or whatever's on his heart. So, Josh? Whatever's on my heart. Well, I give him a time <laughs> All right, I'd like to read from 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are a holy priesthood. And what did the priests do in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament? They gave offerings to the Lord. That was their job. That's what they did most of their lives. And that's what God's looking for from us. How often in the Old Testament was an offering not accepted? It happened pretty often, right? I mean, Cain and Abel is a good example. King Saul. There's, there's multiple examples. When we bring an offering to the Lord, in this case, the tithe, do we do it flippantly? Are we like, oh, well, it's time to give the tithe. That's, that's my job. That's my duty here tonight. Do we look at it with that kind of attitude? Or as Leviticus says, the tithe is holy to the Lord. Do we view this as a time of giving something holy to the Lord, our tithe, which is actually his to give back to him? But it's our choice, isn't it? He gives us a choice as to whether or not we're going to view this as a holy thing or as a flippant thing, and if we're even going to do it. It's, it's our option, isn't it? 
When we in the natural offer sacrifices to God, like our tithe, and we do it in faith and recognize it as holy, then it becomes a spiritual sacrifice and it's acceptable to the Lord. I'm reminded of the story of Jacob back in Genesis. You know, Jacob, uh, now he, he did some shady things to his brother Esau and then left in fear of his brother trying to kill him, right? So he left home with pretty much nothing, some food to travel with. I mean, he didn't even take his pillow because he used a stone, remember? <laughs> that is a big deal. I like to travel with my pillow. So in Genesis 28, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. You know, oil and, or oil and flour make bread, right? So he's offering his food to the Lord. He's saying, I, I trust you to provide my food for me, Lord. I'm, I'm going on a long journey. Here's some oil. So he poured the oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. And he did come back in peace, didn't he? Then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you, give a tenth to you. So this is a spiritual sacrifice. He's doing it in faith that God's going to provide for him. And he's giving of something that he needs, something that he relies on. And he's putting his faith and trust in the Lord. When we give our tithe, do we recognize this as holy? And do we do it in faith every time? Because it's easy to get into the, the motion of, yep, we give our tithe. You know, you, you, you get your paycheck, you write out your tithe, and, all right, we give our tithe. It's, it's, we should do this with reverence and with, a, with a, an understanding that this is holy to the Lord. And then at the end of chapter 30, uh, we find out the result of Jacob making a, uh, a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So he faithfully offered his tithe to the Lord, and he made him exceedingly prosperous. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your promises in your word that when we give your tithe back to you, Lord, that you will prosper us in all areas of life, Father. I pray on the, the gifts that are being given tonight that you will multiply that seed and uh, that your kingdom will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. The ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give unto the Lord. Thank you, Josh. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we have the tithe covenant to... Uh, 
look to and to partner with the Lord. No, we're not on our own. I need to catch a basket while it's going by. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Before I go into the announcements, let me tell you something. God is our refuge and our strength. Can you say amen? He is a very present help in time of trouble. That means he's a now help. Very present means right now help, time of trouble. Because of this unchanging truth, or you can throw a therefore in, we will not fear. It says here in Psalms 46, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So, Listen, no matter what you hear this week, no matter what you see this week, no matter what evil tyrant tries to take control of and do and mess up and take away, we are the children of God. And we're not going to fear, no matter what we see around us. Why? Because we have a very present, a now help in time of trouble. Don't forget it. Someone needed to hear that this week. Somebody needs to get into this right here and just keep reading that and just let it go on repeat. All right. Amen. All right. Well, we have some announcements to go into. So we have the youth and young adults uh, impact swimming party tomorrow. That's it. Levi and Andrews at noon. Please bring a snack. And mark your calendars next Sunday. We have Sky and Noel Barkley, the Free Burma Rangers. Many of you have heard them before. We're going to have a special service. So Sunday evening, 6 p.m., and plan to come out and hear Sky and Noel. August 27th is Young Family Life Group at Kevin and Kelly Burroughs, 6.30 p.m. Home Groups starts up the week of September 12th. It's going, we're going to be going through our foundations classes. So what we do in foundations class, we're going to just take the home groups through those sessions. So locations and dates will be coming soon, and you'll be able to sign up and um, be a part of that. Also, LTS is beginning to start its next semester. And I would really encourage you, if any of you would like, have been praying about this, um, pray about it and then just act. If you want to deepen your your walk with the Lord and just get stronger and really be able to form life-changing habits, this is a great way to do it. It's like a Bible school from home. You memorize so much scripture, you read so many good books, you're putting so much into your heart, which is the wellspring of life. And so we need to guard what we put into it. That means, guarding that also means you you watch to put into it good things. Not just keep the bad out, be putting good things into it. So it's a good school. It's a great way to do it. It's only one Saturday a month, one Monday night a month. Easy to do while you're working. Um, If you would like to be a part of that, talk to Kelly Burroughs. And that's going to be starting up here. Let's see, what do we have? September 11th. Before I bring up Troy, I just wanted to give you an update on Pastor Sid. So his trip has been very successful so far. They've been having a, um, a good trip on many different levels. 
They've been able to minister to people. There is a family there um, at the church, family members of a family that attends church that they've been trying to reach for a long time. And Pastor Sid and Pastor Jay were able to go there. And I'll let you tell him, tell you guys all the details, but it's amazing things. And the one girl, the sister, was asking things like, you know, I think there is a God. I'm just not sure which one. Because, you know, everybody says, oh, this is the right God or that's the right God. And, you know, if I could just know definitively which one was the right God, I would serve him and I would tell everybody. So, you know, I mean, wow, you know, talking about an open door you could drive a truck through. So, you know, they were able to pray for her and they were supposed to meet with her, was it today? I think they were going to meet again. They prayed with her that, that Jesus would reveal himself to her and that she would know, and then they were, were expecting to lead her to Jesus this weekend. <clears throat> now, you can pray for him for favor. Um, he's had an aunt that died, to be, went to be with Jesus. She, it was a very quick thing. She um, had cancer and was aggressive, and it was over fast. So he is trying to route his way home through Oregon, because I believe the funeral's going to be Wednesday, hoping Wednesday, it could be Thursday. Um, and that means he wouldn't be home until, well, if the funeral's Wednesday, it'd be Thursday, so, and, and vice versa. So he's trying to make all that work. So remember him in prayer. That's, you know, jet lag and a lot going on there, a lot of dynamics shift in there. Well, we welcome back the Ghana team, everybody. We're thrilled to have them back. Excited to hear what, what God was doing over there. And I just wanted to say this. Troy, you can come forward. But we had a fundraiser at Reba's Friday, and the kids raised funds. And between that and our VBS funds that were raised, we're going to sponsor two more children. Isn't that awesome? All right, Troy, when you're finished, you may just hand the um, time over. I guess you don't need to hand the mic to... Apostledale. Got to finish my outfit. Oh. <laughs> Snazzy. Mm. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> my wife is mortified. <laughs> but I love it. Or I wouldn't be up here. Yeah. So. It wasn't just me that went over there. There were 11 of us and three, three other people from here in our congregation. Janelle, are you here? Janelle Martin, she was a member of our, our delegation. And we have Anastasia, she's here. Stand up, please, De Anastasia. There we go. And she's wearing, wearing her outfit, one of her outfits from Ghana, yes. And Katie, Katie's over here, Katie Everhart. So after two weeks in Ghana, West Africa, I tell you tonight that God is on the move. He is on the move. And the kingdom of God is definitely growing. It, there's, there's, there's just no other way to look at it. Though we went to Ghana with a plan, though we went to Ghana with a plan, we went there to follow God's plan. We had a schedule we were supposed to follow, but it changed, and it changed, and it changed, and it changed for the good. God was the one that was changing that plan. He wanted us to go, and we went. Wherever he wanted us to go, whatever he wanted us to do, we did it in the places he wanted us to be.
Our prayers were that God would open doors of opportunity. And by the way, I did prepare myself uh, some notes here because I don't want to miss anything. There was a lot of good stuff there, and I got five minutes. I may go over by a minute or two, but you see, it, it works. So our prayers were that God would open doors while we were there, doors of for evangelism. And to, should I take the hat off? Does that make you all nervous or what? Okay. Okay. There we go. Thanks. <laughs> you can borrow it if you like then, Dale. That's good. Uh, so doors of evangelism were definitely opened, I tell you. And we, we walked right through those door, doors and we led numerous people to Christ. We went with the expectation of experiencing signs and wonders and allowed the Holy Spirit to lead us as we went from place to place. The gifts of the Holy Spirit were in action. They were truly in action. It was the best ministry outreach that Ghana Initiative has ever had. I can tell you that here. But greater things are yet to come. Yet to come. I asked my Ghana Initiative brother and fellow missionary, Samuel Afoul, who I wish was here today to talk to you, what he thought I should share about this outreach this year. He said that I must share about the souls that were won for Christ, the joy and the peace people received during the outreach, the hope they now have in the Lord, and the healings and salvations that have caused the kingdom to expand. He also asked that I would talk to you, please, and ask you to pray, to pray for each and every soul that was saved, that those souls wouldn't be just left out there hanging, but there would be someone who would be able to disciple them, as we've talked about in the past, to disciple them and to lead them and to guide them and to be their mentor so that they truly know who Christ is and they follow the word of God. So here's the exciting news. More than 75 men and women and children were saved during our outreach. And that's not a steadfast number. I know it was higher than that, but I can give you that number because that one I know for sure. There were lots and lots of people that we came in contact with in schools because, yes, there you're allowed to go to schools and you're allowed to talk to the children, whether they're on the playground or they're in the classroom. On the street. And we go house to house. And as we did, we went, met with people who were yearning to know something different, to know something new, to know what life was really all about, and that was life with Christ. We went to Muslim homes, and the Muslims were the, hands, the ones with their hands out, saying, yes, please, I want to know, yes, I want a Bible, and I want to read it. They were eager. We led several Muslims to Christ, and they were eager, eager to know that the dark world that they lived in, the world of rules, the world of works, wasn't what it was all about. It was about a true relationship with Christ. It was really and truly exciting. We also laid hands on the sick with an expectation that they would recover. On one occasion, our prayer and ministry team prayed for a woman who was complaining about back problems. She came up, this is what we did. We changed everything around. It used to be people would come up, they'd get in line, we'd give them a paper, they'd register for, for, for our, our, our clinic, and then they would go to the clinic. And after the clinic was done, they'd go over and they'd get prayed for. And as I'm sitting there watching all of this and thinking about it, as we were going to the first town that I was a part of, uh, the minist that part of the ministry, I said, Lord, this just doesn't seem right. And the Holy Spirit said to me, it's not. Change it around. So we did. They come, they register, 
and they go and get prayed for and hear about Jesus. Then they go and see our nurses and doctors, and then, believe it or not, no, you should believe it, they come back to our prayer ministry team, and they tell how the Lord has already healed them. This woman did just that. She had back problems. She needed them to be taken care of. She went to our prayer ministry team. They prayed over her. They believed. She then went to the doctors. The guy, Isaac, who prayed for her in particular, said, I knew she was healed. The Holy Spirit already showed me that. But I wanted her to go to the doctors so the doctors could say, yep, this is done. She did. They said, there's nothing wrong with her. She came back to the prayer ministry team, and she said, I knew I was healed as soon as I left you. But I wanted to go to the doctor, and I wanted to prove to them that you healed me. And, and he said, no, no, I didn't heal you. It's the Lord that healed you. Yeah. So that's the way it worked all through the time that we were doing our ministry. And that's what we expect to see again in the future. The gifts of the Holy Spirit were manifesting the entire time that we were there through our ministry team and through people who joined us while we were there. It was really, truly exciting. Some of the people that were there had never seen the gifts of the Holy Spirit in action. On our team, who'd been there for eight years, they didn't know what to do with themselves. They were learning. Yes, they were learning. They'll be here at Church of the Word International one day, and they'll learn even more. Anyway, moving on. One of the most open, exciting doors that opened, however, was when we went to the north, to a place called Garu Tempane. It's in the upper east region of Ghana, right in the corner between Burkina Faso and Togo. We were up in the mountains. We were in a place that was pretty open and wild, and Katie can attest to this, to the point where when you went into your, your, your guest lodge to get a shower, the water that trickled out of the, the uh, faucet was no bigger than my little finger. It took me a half an hour just to get wet. <laughs> Anyhow, that's not the point. So this place was 95% Muslim. 95%. Very few Christians go there. They call them followers of Christ. Very few followers of Christ go there because they're afraid. They're worried. They don't want to be denied access. We went there without fear, didn't we, Katie? There was no fear. We knew that the Lord was with us. We knew that he was protecting us and guiding us. We knew that he had already prepared the path. We went there with an expectation that we were going to lead people to Christ. And we did. God had already prepared hearts, he'd already made it possible, and he'd opened doors, and we're invited back again the next time we go, this time with a larger delegation. They invited us, we didn't ask to come back. They want to know more, and they want us to see and visit with more people when we're there. We actually got the invitation from the father of a family, a large family, who is a well-known person in that community. And what was the most exciting for me was, and I've talked to you, I think, before about this, is a fellow named Haruna. His brother Ishmael was saved several years ago. He is a follower of Christ. But Haruna just wasn't ready yet. He'd say, it'll happen, or someday. He was fearful of changing. He didn't want to give up the traditions of the Muslim faith. And he was worried about what his family would think. So Haruna went with us on our evangelistic movements to different homes throughout several different communities. After one time, when we were meeting with a family and a gentleman was saved, he looked at me, he says, Troy? I said, yes, I'm ready. So I said, let's go. We walked over to the end of a porch. We sat on the end of a porch. We talked about Christ. 
and he gave his heart to the Lord. So exciting things are happening, and, and I, I could talk all night. Do you, do you want to preach tonight? Okay. So anyway, I'm happy to be a part of this. I'm happy that you ha gave me the opportunity to be up here, and I hope that we have an opportunity sometime to show you some photographs and, and talk to you a little bit more about it. But good things are happening, and I thank each and every one of you for your prayers and for your love and for your support, and I, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's truly exciting, and God is truly moving in the country of Ghana. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Troy. That blesses me. Terry wants the hat. She can wear the hat. <laughs> Troy, I'll tell you, if you, that just so blesses me. And uh, when every, all these different teams go out, uh, if you throw that into an article and uh, add the photos, I'd love to put that up on the Armada website and share with all the other Armada members. I know, I don't, are you aware uh, Pat Murphy uh, has been to Burkina Faso many, many times? So there's some areas of overlap that I didn't even know about till, till you mentioned that. What a blessing. Hallelujah. Jesus is wonderful. Are the children dismissed? We're ready to go. You got your seat belts on and your, and your tray tables are in the upright position and... Uh, Ready for takeoff? Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we rejoice for those dear, dear new believers in Ghana. We lift them up right now. And we ask you, Lord, that you'd bring them to a, a greater understanding. Fill their hearts with light that they would know the hope to which they're called that they would know the glorious inheritance which is theirs in Christ Jesus, that they would know the power of resurrection. I bless you and honor you for it in establishing their feet in the gospel path. We give you praise and glory. And let each of them be an evangelist and multiply and bring the gospel to their neighbors and their loved ones. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 1. It's a privilege to be with you tonight. Chance to feed on the Word of God. Fill ourselves up on His Holy Word. Always build yourself up. An old preacher I used to listen to, he's in heaven now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Troy. That blesses me. Terry wants the hat. She can wear the hat. Troy, I'll tell you, if you, that just so blesses me. And uh, when every, all these different teams go out, uh, if you throw that into an article and uh, add the photos, I'd love to put that up on the Armada website and, and uh, share with all the other Armada members. I know, I don't, I, are you aware uh, Pat Murphy uh, has been to Burkina Faso many, many times? So there's some areas of overlap that I didn't even know about till. Till you mentioned that. What a blessing. Hallelujah. Jesus is wonderful. Are the children dismissed? We're ready to go. You got your seat belts on and your, and your tray tables are in the upright position and uh, ready for takeoff. 
Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we rejoice for those dear, dear new believers in Ghana. We lift them up right now. And we ask you, Lord, that you'd bring them to a, a greater understanding. Fill their hearts with light that they would know the hope to which they're called. That they would know the glorious inheritance which is theirs in Christ Jesus. That they would know the power of resurrection. I bless you and honor you for it in establishing their feet in the gospel path. We give you praise and glory. And let each of them be an evangelist and multiply and bring the gospel to their neighbors and their loved ones. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.